Okay, so welcome back. We just decided we had to get going today here on the program. Um, it seemed like everything was just coming out of the sky as far as news, um, both in hockey and just in sports in general today. It feels like a busy day um, today on a Thursday. So uh, Columbus Fires with General Manager Yarmo Kekalainen. and we were going to have um, Columbus TV analyst Dylan Tyrer on with us, and that would have been perfect, but he is busy now. So uh, we will reschedule with him and have him on at a later date, but... Um, so we're kind of just like taking all this information in as it comes. Um, we'll start with Kekalainen here, I think, because that will be the news of the day. That will be a lot of the talking points. And this is more instant reaction than anything uh, when it comes to the letting go of Yarmo Kekalainen, his general manager of the Columbus Blue Jackets after 11 years there. Um, he was named the GM in February of 2013. The team has made the playoffs five times. John Davidson is going to act as the interim um, general manager going forward until the end of the season. So uh, JD will be running things through the trade deadline, and uh, we will see what that brings. Um, quote here from Davidson, this is one of the hardest days I've had in my career as Yarmo was a friend, someone I have a great deal of respect for, and someone who has done a lot of good things during his time here. While the future of our club is bright, our performance has not been good enough, and it is time for a fresh perspective as we move forward. So... Um, we all know Columbus is last up in the Eastern Conference right now, fourth last in the NHL. Um, they don't play for a couple days, so there's a bit of time for everybody to catch their collective breath um, about this, and everybody can kind of dwell on it. They're in San Jose on Saturday. Um, then it'll be another couple days before their next game after that. So um, the immediate seems to be okay. It's not like they're bringing in someone else. It's John Davidson. He's been with the organization a long time. Um, he will probably stick around in Columbus through the end of his career. I could very much imagine that with John Davidson. So um, I do believe it was time for higher accountability to be taken in Columbus for some of the things that have gone on on the ice, off the ice. Um, the whole Mike Babcock situation, if we're really considering um, you know, the, the firing of Pierre Dorian by the Ottawa Senators earlier this season after the Evgeny Dodonov um, penalty of a first round pick for for that trade and the the miscommunication of the no trade clause. Um, Pierre Dorian was let go right after that, and a lot of people looked at the Dadanov situation as a this is a reason for um, letting him go. This is the straw that broke the camel's back, and I think a lot of people expected that the Mike Babcock situation earlier in this season with the Columbus Blue Jackets would have been the straw that broke the camel's back for Kekalainen as GM, and it wasn't, and they proceeded to go on through this season, and they made some trades coming into last season. They brought in Damon Severson. They brought in uh, Ivan Provorov from the Flyers, um, and things were supposed to be better this year in Columbus. The defense was supposed to be a, a strong suit of this club. It was supposed to be competitive and deep. And it's turned out to be um, sort of a, a mismatched grouping that has just left a lot of guys on the outside looking in. Um, we know about David Yerichek's frustration about playing time, but guys like Andrew Peak even haven't really gotten the full opportunity. I believe Andrew Peak is an NHL defenseman who wasn't um, granted really that opportunity to start the year. So um, I think things are a bit of a, at a weird spot. I mean, you have Adam Fantilli, so 
you have your number one center for the next 15 years if you can play these cards right and you do the right things. You are guaranteed a good draft pick this year, being where you are in the standings currently and taking a look at where things might go as the rest of the season comes for Columbus. And it... um, there, there is hope. There, there's a good prospect base. You have guys like James Malatesta and Luca Del Belbeluz, and a, a lot of these players are turning out to look really like really good prospects for the Columbus Blue Jackets. But it doesn't really also. You, you need to have that ability to bring in high level talent through the draft. And I know there, there's probably going to be a lot of talk in Columbus today and in the coming days about. Um, the production of Johnny Goudreau, what that looks like overall and what it has looked like through his first couple seasons in Columbus. Um, a lot of people like to point fingers at Patrick Laine, too. Um, that trade really has maybe not worked out the way that they thought when they dealt PLD and over there. But they, they still have Jack Roslevic, who's a good player, too, from that. So um, I just think it might be time for a bit of a... Reset in Columbus. Uh, you maybe look to move on from some of these older pieces that could get you a really good return. Um, I, I would assume you'd want to keep guys around. I know Elvis Merzlikens requested a trade, but that honestly might be a kind of player that you want to keep around through a couple years of struggle. Because, look, you like I said, with having Fant- Fantilli already, that does something for you as far as making you competitive at some point in the near future. You will not languish near the bottom of the standings forever with a foundational piece like that if you can build around it, him. And also David Yerchek, too. This player is not to be forgotten. I mean, that, that he has an incredible tool set, and the Columbus Blue Jackets are still very high on him. So it, um, it, it can be—this core can form itself, a new core can form itself, kind of like we've seen in Calgary a little bit, where that new young core is starting to form— um, and look, I don't know if it's going to be a similar situation to Calgary where that new core starts to mesh in with the the veterans that you have that uh, really haven't clicked quite yet on the roster, but maybe they will at some point. Um, I just don't know if you can expect that to happen in Ohio. So um, it'll be a very interesting direction and thought as to where the team goes. It doesn't appear as if they're really going to do a deep dive into a general manager search until the end of the season. Um, that is not confirmed. That is just my assumption. Um, they made it to the second round in 2019, and I think that they just want the standard to be higher. John Davidson wants the standard to be higher. It's a great market. I'm sure Dylan Tyrer would have said it if we had him on with us today, just that the market is very appreciative of the players uh, and the team when they perform well and they work hard and they, um, like, there was a good sellout there. And, there are, there are some solid pieces, too, outside of the big names. Like, we have the the Marchenko, Voronkov, um, Chinikov trio. Um, they've shown a lot of different promise at different times. Um, and look, if the back end, if you have all these pieces on the back end, you could move a couple of them, still maintain a strong back end, also one where maybe these pieces fit in and slot in a little bit better and feel like they have a... Um, defined role on the team and are when you feel like you have a really defined role and you feel like you're slotted well and properly for that and everybody feels that you're able to contribute the most of what you can and um i just it just feels like some of these defensemen in columbus haven't been slotted to the potential that they are at and can give so um it was also announced that columbus is going to play in an outdoor game 
this is according to Brian Hedger. Uh, Blue Jackets and Red Wings will play outdoor game in Columbus March 1st, 2025, Ohio Stadium in Columbus. That will be great. So, I, I mean, look, uh, I've, it's well past time that the Blue Jackets have gotten an outdoor game like this. I think you're, we're talking Ohio State area. Um, that that fandom, you know, the matchup against the Red Wings is a great one, and that's probably why the Winter Classic is St. Louis and Chicago as opposed to Detroit and Chicago so that they could get this Michigan-Ohio um, setup going for the outdoor game on March 1st, 2025. But I, 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 that'll be a great celebration for hockey in Ohio. If you can pull the trigger on a move like Yarmo Kekalainen now, you give John Davidson the rest of the season to make a couple moves before the deadline and reevaluate the full direction of the team going into the offseason, you're able to lean into that direction that you choose in the summertime a bit more. And then come next season, look, I, I um, the Blue Jackets have been kind of like the Ottawa Senators is that team that comes in as the offseason winner, but then when play hits ice, it struggles to happen. Um, but I could really envision a situation where if the process has gone about well of deconstructing and rebuilding, uh, Columbus could be a very entertaining and just maybe not competitive team. Look, they probably won't make the playoffs next year definitely even so um but if you can just give your fans more reason for promise and hope and excitement uh, that game in ohio stadium should be incredible i mean that would be a fun a fun place to be i can assume ohio state fans surely know how to pack a football stadium too so um we'll move away from the blue jackets unless anything comes up like i said they will play the san jose sharks in their first game without Yarmo Kekalainen on Saturday. So um, we'll set everybody up for a nice weekend tomorrow because there's only one game tomorrow, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Arizona Coyotes. So a pretty quiet Friday night. I don't know why in particular. Is there, is there a sports event in, uh, in another sport that's happening? That, Or is that just the NHL being the NHL and wanting to put 12 games one night, one game another night? Do you know, Ray? You can check. I mean, there's no more football. Yeah, there's no more football. So and it has to be if there's basketball. I don't I don't know if hockey's at that point anymore where they're really making scheduled decisions based off of NBA games. No offense to the NBA, but um, I don't know if they're really at that point. But You only got three basketball games today. Today? What about tomorrow? Uh, Tomorrow... Is the All Star game? So uh, that, that might is be why. why. That might be why. That's, okay, that explains things. I take back what I said. NBA. I take back what I said. Um, Sean Couturier was also named the twentieth captain of the Flyers in franchise history. Maybe this is a little bit of Mandela effect. I don't know if anybody else experienced this when uh, seeing the news of Sean Couturier's captaincy. I already thought he was the captain in Philadelphia. I kind of already thought that. I just, you know, I know he didn't play the last season. Um, and he missed a lot of time. And what he's been doing this season is just incredible, I have to add. He's been really impactful on the ice. I mean, we all, we've all we talked a lot about the Flyers being in a much better spot than anybody would have guessed going into this hockey season. But um, the the actual putting of the C on the jersey of Sean Couturier is a long time coming. They also gave assistance to um, Konechny and Scott Lawton. So um, there's also been a lot of talk about Scott Lawton, if he's long for Philadelphia. So... Um, maybe maybe the fact that he has an A on his jersey will um, is a sign that the Flyers are inclined to keep him around for the foreseeable future. Um, as far as the games last night, there were only three. They were all kind of, you know, 
They they were games. They were hockey games that were played. The Winnipeg Jets win 1-0. Um, kind of a lifeless effort from the Sharks. The the Panthers go into we did so we bring on Colby Guy and he was great and your idiot host here forgot to ask him about the game last night and then the game was really over before it started it seemed like I know all the the scoring came from the Panthers in the second period there and they went up four nothing on Pittsburgh before Brian Russ scored and it just was uh, it was over before it began really um, Pittsburgh looked into the game and engaged in the game and. You can't wait until the game's out of reach before. I, I've seen too many teams in the NHL this season turn it on when the game is already over. And you and you wonder to yourself, well, if you can turn it on when it's 3 nothing or 4 nothing, what makes it that you can't be that way and play that way when the puck is dropped initially? So um, the Panthers beat the, the Penguins 5-2. Uh, the late game was the Minnesota Wild beating the Arizona Coyotes 3-1. Um, good game for Matt Boldy. Really good game for Matt Boldy. And um, I think a lot of people were on Matt Boldy at the beginning of this season, maybe even myself included a bit, when it came to that dreaded sophomore slump that uh, seems to be impacting fewer and fewer players as the years go on. There doesn't, there doesn't really seem to be that sophomore slump impact in the NHL the way there used to be. Um, but it looked that way for Matt, or Matt Boldy earlier this season. Um, and he's really just turned it on as of late. I don't know if it's the coaching change with John Hines behind the bench, and um, or maybe it's just a, hey, this is the second season in the NHL. This is you know what brought me success last year. I'm going to go revert back to that. Um, he is a tremendous shot, really hard, um, you know. But he's also a gritty, grindy player. Isn't afraid to go to the front of the net. Isn't afraid to tip pucks. Um, gets himself open in different spots and different ways i mean it's very impressive the way matt boldy is able to score when he's on so it'd be great for the wild if he can continue that so minnesota beats the coyotes 3-1 um and morgan Barron, like i said with the 1-0 goal in the uh jets win over the sharks uh shout out for connor hellebuck another one for maybe the best goalie in the world um yeah, I really, man, I really thought Couturier was the captain of the Flyers. I don't know why I thought that, but um, I just always kind of envisioned him with the C on his chest in orange, and we're, we're going to see that in action tonight, I am pretty certain. I uh, forget the Flyers matchup right off the top of my head for this evening, but uh, they, oh, they're in Toronto, taking on the Leafs, so um, that should be a good one. We'll see Captain Couturier on national television in Canada, and also television here, Um so, just great hockey overall. Um, I want to jump into well, one. We saw Phil, Phil Kessel skating. We all saw the clip of Phil Kessel skating on um, Abbotsford Canucks ice yesterday. The mismatched equipment, looking like he was a, um, a a youth trying out for a hockey team, and he was flying out there. I have to I have to say, a lot of people dog Phil Kessel. Um, they they say things about his fitness and his. Um, you know, whatever they say about Phil Kessel. It's, he's a three-time Stanley Cup champion. He is the ultimate locker room guy. And if anybody is criticizing the fitness level of professional athletes, that probably doesn't bode well for their own physical health. So um, it, uh, I, I think Phil Kessel is going to get the deal in Vancouver. We talked about that. I, I have thought a lot about the fit myself as far as I just think there were a lot of teams that really could have used Phil Kessel. I think 
just that that ability to bury a, a goal like any team could have used that but um the Canucks in particular are the one team that mean obviously the Rick Tockett connection is um well discussed and well known um and probably a big reason why Phil Kessel is in Abbotsford right now but um you know you think of a team here like the Chicago Blackhawks like they couldn't use him on their even their first or second line like that I mean Phil Kessel could be that for the Hawks I know they're not trying to win too much here in Chicago this season but even still you gotta we've talked a lot about the the goal scoring ineptness here and how we can try and fix that. Phil Kessel would have definitely fixed that. Um, you know, if, if he was, if he's going to a Canadian team and he, he really had interest in that. A lot of people would wonder about a re- return to Toronto, what that could have looked like. Um, the old with the new, the old, you know, bringing in, they brought in Luke Shen last year. A lot of people in the city love that. Um, you know, We'll see. We'll see. But um, I would assume Phil signs in Vancouver after this little stint in Abbotsford. I don't know if he's going to play in Abbotsford. That hasn't really been announced yet. I think this might just be some some light skating or um, just some light, you know, looks at what kind of player, making sure he still has it. But I, I could almost assure you he still does. The Zach Parise thing um, has, has gone well for Colorado in the early goings of that trial. So... Um, I don't think there should be a problem with three-time Stanley Cup champion Phil Kessel. So, and he'll take on any role that is asked of him. He's not going to. He's already talked about you know the Iron Man streak coming to an end and knowing that it's not meant to last forever. And if it were to go, it would be great. But if not, that he understands that if he has to set a game out um, or two or three or five, that he uh, won't really take an issue with that. He just wants to be given an opportunity. He wants to be in the locker room. He wants to. Um, sharing that that push towards the Stanley Cup. So uh, he will get a good chance of that with the Vancouver Canucks if he indeed signs with them. And uh, we are going to keep it short here today. Uh, you know, we were supposed to have Dylan Tyrer on, but he has bigger fish to fry with uh, the Yarmo Kekalainen news breaking this morning. So um, we, I wanted to talk a little bit more about what I know and what I've been able to gather from the... Belarus and Russia's situation when it comes to the IIHF, and I know this is a very sensitive subject, and um, I just, I want to make sure that everybody's kind of on the same page, make sure that I know what's going on here, and um, so the IIHF announced that they extended the the ban, uh, the prevention of playing of Russia and Belarus through the 25-26 hockey, se- or the 2024-25 hockey season, apologies, Um so that means that Belarus could not play in their Olympic qualifiers that they were scheduled to play in this summer. And they were going to decide at a later date if it was, quote, safe to reincorporate Russia and Belarus for the 25-26 championship season in May 25 at the IIHF council meeting ahead of the IIHF annual congress. So um, they are monitoring the situation. And then it was announced by... Um, Russian hockey by the Russian Hockey Federation. We we got two pieces of news. We had the um, we had the statement from Russia, and then we had the the what do you call it? We had the statement from Russia, and then we had the letter from the, the players. So, um, and then we had a statement from Luke Tardif, president of the IIHF. So a lot of a lot of statements, a lot of he said, she said, a lot of. Um, you know, what do we do here? So 
Um, the Ice Hockey Federation of Russia released a statement on the suspending of them for 24-25, and it reads as such. The Russian Hockey Federation is disappointed by the decision of the International Ice Hockey Federation to extend the suspension of Russian teams from international tournaments of the IIHF system for the 24-25 season. The Federation of Hockey in Russia notes that the meeting of the IIHF Council was held without the participation of Russian representatives and considers the decision to be discriminatory. The IIHF's arguments about, quote, security also do not meet with understanding. In parallel with the suspension of Russia and Belarus, teams from countries involved in armed conflicts continue to participate in international tournaments. The Federation of Hockey in Russia believes that the decision to suspend Russian national teams is being lobbied by a number of representatives of hockey federations of several countries who are afraid of additional competition in the international area. That was the statement from the Russian Hockey Federation, and that is kind of a juicy one. If you ask me, the the last point there about maybe some countries are nervous about playing Russia. I um, I don't know how, how much truth there is behind that argument. However, um, you know, I, I, I mean, what do you think of that, Raven? Honestly, like that's cr- that's kind of absurd. I mean, I mean, this has been happening with Russia for my entire life. When I look at international sports on a broad level, I mean, not being a super big hockey kid growing up, uh, kind of for ba- like uh, like hid kind of the, some of the stuff that Russia was doing, and like mostly it was the Olympics where they were usually like. The Olympic, what was like the Olympic regulation or Russia Federation or whatever, like the Olympic athletes from Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so they can still compete, but they can't represent the country. And yes, I do remember all the doping scandals from what was that? Like Oh four through Oh eight. Something like that when we were really young, but I mean, it makes sense why IHF, IIHF is not wanting to, have them play but at the same time i understand that like some of these guys are kids and shouldn't be being punished for what their country does but then don't do stupid shit as a country yeah i mean it is interesting if we're if we're taking a good honest look at it the the point that they make about other countries involved in iihf competition being involved in armed conflicts is true Mm -hmm. um it isn't my place to comment on those armed conflicts and I'm not here to do that. But if, if that's the point, then they do have one when it comes to Russia's involvement and Belarus's involvement. So, um, you, you can look at that and maybe agree with that. The, the point that really makes me chuckle is the, that, that other countries are afraid to play Russia. Like they don't want the competition on the ice. They don't want to, See Nikita Kucherov and Andrei Vasilevsky against them. But, um, and look, I, I'm not here to validate that point at all, but I will say that a lot of, a lot of talk has been made about the, the rapid rise of development in hockey of, of a lot of these countries. And look, what, what Sweden is able to do as a country of 9 million people having what, if somewhere between 90 and 100 NHLers, like that's a pretty, impressive stat for that country same for a country can you look up the population of finland i got you um and i'm gonna look up how many nhl players they have but i assume it's like a really similar ratio to five and a half million what about nhl players uh of in from finland yeah so 
Um, what, what I'm saying here is there, what those countries have been able to do is really impressive. Obviously, we're living in a golden generation of German hockey with players like Stutzla, Sider, Paterka, and Reichel, and the list goes on. And uh, you got Grubauer and Net if you're ready to go. But look, make Ooh, note. Right what? now, I'm seeing about 45, 45 ish around that number. Yeah, I mean that's still for a country of five and a half million people to have 45 NHLers is pretty, pretty wild. You know what? They have one NBA player, right? Uh, from Finland, Laurie, maybe two. Laurie Markin, I think. Yeah, I think he might be the only NBA player from Finland. So, um, point is, is yes. Look, Finland is a really competitive team on the ice. They'll be loaded. Same with Sweden, huh? What do you got? Uh, just looking, looking up, up fi- yeah. Finnish NBA players. That is correct. Are, are there any other ones? Uh, Laurie Markkinen is kind of the only one I'm seeing. I mean, hey, good for him, though. Like, that. that's uh, what it's all about. Otherwise, uh, I'm only seeing three Finnish players of all, like, ever. Ever, yeah. Um, got The Dallas Stars have that on their roster right now. They got more than that. Laurie Markkinen has over double these guys' games combined, so yeah, that, no, I that mean, makes sense. He he sets the standard for Finnish basketball for sure. Um, but look, my my big overarching point about this Russia thing is, uh, no, I don't think that Finland and Sweden are scared to play Russia. I think that those are countries just that have a certain moral value and subset that they're going to comply with, and they're going to do that on the hockey front. They're going to um, stick with what their people think about certain situations, and they're not really going to um, make decisions that will make them unhappy. Um, international sports is a pretty sensitive place. It's a very political place. Um, so you kind of got to walk on eggshells. You kind of got to be very careful. Look, even if they want to play Russia, you know, maybe there's a lot of people in Finland that will be not so happy with that decision. Um, I know a lot of this talk has come because of the – the four nations face-off happening um, next year in place of the All-Star Game, and then obviously the Olympics after that in 2026, Italy. But um, even a country like Czechia, like Dominic Hasek said that they won't, like they won't play Russia. They won't. They, the Czech Republic, the or Czechia won't play Russia. So um, it's a really sensitive topic. I um, look. I, I, Russian hockey is a really crucial part to the history of hockey. Um, you know, Russia, Canada, and USA, Russia are some of the best rivalries in sport, in my mind, not just ice hockey. It's like some of the best rivalry in sport. So um, it is definitely a missing thing for the landscape of international hockey. It, it Look, it dulls the product. I definitely I get that. I, I really do. Um, you know, the the to- the call into question of if it's truly best on best that that kind of look i mean you got to play like what the rules are and um the the four nations face off will definitely be best on best even if russia's not there like it will it's still best on best hockey however um it, it does you know world cup you know when you're using these things like obviously they're calling it the four nations face off not the world cup but um the Olympics are a different story, and uh, I saw Marty Walsh say something, too. I don't have the exact context of that quote, but I did see something where Marty Walsh uh, believes that Russia participating in the 2026 Olympics, quote, would be the best scenario. So um, this is the quote from Marty Walsh. Russian players didn't create the situation we're in. 
in the world with Ukraine. Obviously, they're a big part of who I represent. We will address the issue of their game at the international level, hopefully in a positive way. I think the world would like to see it. The hockey world, of course, and the whole world as a whole, wow, um, <laughs> would benefit from the tournament of the best against the best with the participation of all the countries involved. It would be the best scenario. Um, a lot of Russian NHLers obviously haven't been too happy about it. Nikita Khrushchev has been pretty vocal about this. Um, Svechnikov, too, and Malkin. And um, Alex Ovechkin, what, what did he say? Um, but he just that he tries not to think about it, you know? Like, I think a lot of these guys, maybe an older guy like Ovechkin who's been there, done that. But some of these younger guys, and, you know, we talked about the goalies. Like, you got three of the best goalies in the world right now in Shesterkin and Sorokin and Vasilevsky, and they're all Russian. Um, and those, those are, would probably be the three best goalies in an international competition of all the teams. So, um, look, the, to say that the game and the tournament and whatever, the, the idea of best-on-best best doesn't miss something without Russia um, is untrue. So... Uh, the Russian Federation then responded. So I we read the Russian Federation's response to the IIHF's decision. Um, and then it was announced that 17 current and former Russian national junior team players have wrote a letter to the IIHF uh, requesting a, an appeal of their suspension. Um, I don't want to read the whole translated... Um, Thing, but it's a group of players born in 2003 to 2005. And it basically is saying, why why are we in particular guilty of this? And um, I think that 03 to 05 age group for the Russians was a very... Um, it's a very uh, high skill level group. You know, you have Matt Vyamichkov, you have Sergei Ivanov, um, just some of these players who are very, very Ivan Demidov and Daniel Boot. And like these are very high NHL picks, Dmitry Simashev. Um, so it's um, not, I don't know. Like th those guys would have done a lot for a tournament like the World Juniors, who, who they've missed out on the last two. So it, um, I, I'm not trying to be a Russian sympathizer here, but um, it is we kind of just got to zoom out a little bit when it comes to hockey's intertwinement with maybe with some of these situations. It's so more so just I think like these are kids. These guys. Yeah, man. Haven't they're not the ones doing what the Russian government is doing. So I, I understand the point of them believing they're um, unjustly punished, but they also do have a point where I think if they're like, why is this, if this has been happening for so long, why are we the ones to be punished? I think that is a great point because there's always been something happening with Russia that kind of gets them in these situations in the first place, but yeah, the, yeah. these kids shouldn't be those ones being punished. I understand that you're trying to punish the organization as a whole, but if there's a way that you can still let these kids play, because that's what they've been working for their whole life. That's that's my sense. Yeah, so uh, we're going to monitor that, obviously. I mean, look, I, we're really excited for international hockey. We're going to talk a lot about it. I mean, I would even hope that 
there's some chance that we could even go maybe to the Four Nations face-off next year. Um, just be there in some capacity. I would love to take in like a game or two, even of that event. Um, should be a pretty remarkable one. So um, we're going to be really excited for that around here, and I, I'm gearing up for it. I you know love international hockey and what it does for the growth of the game in general, but um, w- this is definitely something that, has a big sway one way or another of how these tournaments look, how these countries feel about certain things, uh, what what types of players are brought, right? Um, what types of NHL players are sitting out of these events. Um, we've even heard, look, that the the four nations face-off has upset. We've talked about that, that it's upset players like Leon Dreisaitl, who's from Germany, and David Pasternak, who's from Czechia, and a lot of the Slovaks. And they, they're like, what are we, why are we not playing in this too? Why are we watching from home? And um, so there, there's work to be done, definitely, to the international situation in hockey. So we'll monitor that. Um, and I wanted to finish with this. A lot of, a lot of news today. Well, not a lot of games. I mean, there are a lot of games tonight, but not a lot of game talk. Um, it seemed like the, the news today was more off the ice than on it. Um, 12 games are on the board tonight. I am looking forward to a few of them, however. Lightning Avalanche is going to be a very good game. Edmonton-St. Louis should be a really good game. I expect a lot more out of the Blues after what they showed in Toronto the other night. Um, we mentioned Toronto, Philadelphia earlier, new captain. We'll see if, uh, you know, Mitch Marner and John Tavares make their way back into the lineup for the Maple Leafs. It is game two without Morgan Riley, um, game two of that five game suspension. So, but they looked good. They looked good on Tuesday. I mean, you know, I think we all know St. Louis did not look good themselves, but the, the Leafs look good on, on Tuesday without all of those players for them. So, um, we're hosting Sidney Crosby. We're hosting one of the best players of our generation in this city tonight. Maybe I'm, maybe I get a last-minute ticket for that game. I, um, You have to take those opportunities to say it. I, I say this with music, man, like, like concerts that are in town, right, of like a band you're really into. If you have the opportunity to go see a comedian, whatever it is you're into, if you have the opportunity to see one of the best at their craft and you're a fan of it, and you never know when it might be the end, go watch it. Go watch it. You never know when that band is going to come back or where you're going to be in your life and everything. Just go. Go. Buy the ticket. Go Go watch it. Um, so uh, we might have to. I might have to get a ticket to go see Sidney Crosby in action here. Uh, Penn's Blackhawks tonight. We'll also see the rematch we've all been waiting for of the week, the Red Wings and the Canucks. Um Nikita Zadorov should be returning to the lineup for everybody. Um, so for Vancouver, that will be an interesting one. Uh, for Detroit, they obviously would like a better showing than they had in Edmonton the other day, the 8-4 game. Um, so we will uh, see about that. We will um, keep our eyes on that one. And obviously, Calgary will host the Sharks tonight. Um and I, I'm, you know, the Calgary Flames are quickly becoming must-watch TV for me. They, um, this, this Andre Kuzmenko in, insertion in the lineup seems to really reinvigorated this team. And uh, we've talked a lot about that young core taking shape. These players like Zari, um, I know Jacob Pelche is out again. That's a, that's a really tough injury. The, you know, we talked about Mikhail Sergachev, who had just worked his way back from a long injury and then gets hurt in his first game back. But Jacob Pelche, too, um, worked his way back from a long injury, was playing with the AHL Wranglers for a little bit before getting his call up, and uh, it didn't take more than two games, I think, for him to get hurt again. So um, he provides a big spark for that lineup. So 
Um, we wish him getting better, first of all, uh, as soon as possible. But um, just more opportunity for another player on the Flames, maybe that they call up or something like that. So we'll see. We'll also have an original six matchup. We talked about that with Johnny Lazarus the other day. The Rangers taking on the Canadians. A lot of good ones. I mean, Kings Kings Devils is going to be a good one, too. Um, Saber, Sabres are hosting the Panthers. Uh, Bruins are hosting the Kraken. So um, a lot of good games. A lot of good games before we have a quiet night tomorrow night on NBA All-Star Game Night. Um, but I wanted to end with this story. This is just, you know, a, a story that's just kind of um, come to light a little bit here. It was updated last night. And... Um, a class action lawsuit um, filed Wednesday in a federal court in New York arguing that the major junior hockey system in North America violates U.S. antitrust law. This is interesting. Uh, the lawsuit, this is an article by Stephen Wino of the Associated Press. Uh, the lawsuit brought by divisions of the World Association of Ice Hockey Players Unions and two individual former major junior players takes aim at the QMJHL, the Ontario Hockey League, and the Western Hockey League that make up the Canadian Hockey League, as well as the NHL. The plaintiffs allege that the leagues exploit teenagers in the sport by restricting their ability to pick where to play and, as a result, limiting their compensation. The NHL is named as a defendant for its role in supporting and financing the CHL. Lawyers allege in the complaint that the NHL and its teams, quote, exert substantial influence and control over major junior defendants, thereby facilitating major junior defendants' conspiracy. The lawyers call the system a, quote, a cartel artific that artificially suppresses and standardizes compensation by denying players their freedoms of choice, freedom of movement, and freedom to play for the club of their choice. The No comment from the CHL, obviously, yet. Um, it seems like they were just made aware of that. Um, I think this is super interesting i mean i'm a big fan of junior hockey it does a lot for the growth of the game it's a very unique aspect of hockey that exists in a more cultural sense in canada um that that goes for senior hockey too um senior hockey is it's it, look yes it's different than it was in the, the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and even earlier where you know, there were senior hockey teams that were better than NHL teams at one point. And there were players who were good enough to be very, very good NHL players that um, preferred to just stay home and live a pretty quiet life and play for their senior hockey team and um, just be that. And for a lot of um, NHL guys, like a lot of older NHL guys or people even who cover the game, um, love to have Ken Reed on. He wrote a book. Uh, hometown hockey heroes that I purchased but haven't cracked the spine of quite yet and um, just about these types of players right so uh, but junior hockey is like its own kind of thing too and it's it's big for the kids it's um, you know we're hosting the the a, a US based OHL team is hosting the Memorial Cup for the first time so you know the 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 CHL does have a presence in the United States so this does matter. Um, this lawsuit does matter, um, saying that it violates U.S. antitrust law, antitrust laws, and um, I, th I think what ends up happening here. I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a judge, but what I do think ends up happening here is what's kind of happened in the past with this is you you really have to have the full context as to what major junior hockey is, and 
it, it's not like minor league baseball. It's not like the NCAA. It's its own kind of realm. And you do get paid. And I understand that it's not a lot of money. Um, but that's that's the dream. Like, you, you don't have to play in the CHL. You, you, you don't have to play. There are other hockey leagues that you can go play in that aren't the CHL. You can go play Junior B, Junior A hockey. You can go play in the USHL. You can go play in the NAHL here. Um, there, there are hockey leagues aplenty that are not the Canadian Hockey League. So if you make that decision to go play in the Canadian Hockey League for the team that acquires your rights, whether that's via draft or whatever, um, they you got to play by their rules, you know, like that, that's the league. That's the deal. Um, am I wrong here, Raven? Like, do you think that, like, I know you're not like super well-versed in what junior, like, but you know, like, should these guys really, you know, get paid? Like they're like, it's not like this is NCAA in the fact where like, you know, you're selling out certain arenas. Like, yes, there are fans of CHL teams, but, um, it's not like people our age, if you get what I'm saying. Like it, it's either older people or younger people that are more fans of Canadian Hockey League junior teams. Um, you know, like the youth isn't really super connected. I feel like to uh, unless we're talking like youth, youth. Um, I don't know. I, I I think it's really interesting. Like you're not gonna, you know, uh, I don't know how many players in the CHL are going to get NIL deals or things like that. Um, yeah, I think if you're in a sports league and you get traded, that's kind of the, the the same thing. If if you if this lawsuit is arguing that these players don't have a right to choose where to play, you could say that the USHL is the same thing. Like they can trade you in that league too. Um, so um, this is just a really interesting thing. Um, the individual major junior players who are a part of it is, is Isaiah Delora and Tanner Gold. Uh, Dolores from Minnesota. Gold is from Calgary, Alberta. So um, the quote said, this is a quote from Delora, quote, teenage players continue to be treated like disposable objects, just like I was. I'm hoping this lawsuit will put an end to that. So um, kind of an interesting note to just, you know, everybody go read up on it. Everybody do a little, do a little thinking, you know, come up with your own opinion. I have mine. I'm probably going to change it a few times while this story develops. Um, that was obviously Stephen Wino reporting on it. He's a DC based, uh, writer covers the capitals, covers the commanders too for, um, in the NFL. So, um, that, that should do us. That should do it for us here today. Unless you have anything, Raven, you want to, you know, um, Isaiah Stewart was arrested before he was arrested, charged, and then released with uh, just simple assault for fighting uh, the Drew Drew Eubanks, the Phoenix Sun Center, before the game last night. Um, I don't know who any of those guys are. I have to. It's admit. a Piston Detroit Pistons rookie center, and then Drew Eubanks is a like second team center. He's not fantastic. He's not terrible though, but. And then a little bit of F1 news, but we'll hold on to that just to oh, you're have gonna another. tease everybody? I am going to tease everyone. Oh, you should you should give the news, but not, not I mean, the there's breakdown. Not, there's not too much news. It's just final car reveals and preseason testing start this week. So we'll kind of see how cars actually look and how they feel according to the drivers. And then kind of get our first uh, look on how the season will go. So... 
It's pretty exciting. Sorry, I'm reading about this this uh, player situation, this Eubanks versus Isaiah Stewart. So Isaiah Stewart was arrested, like you said. Um, he was not going to play in the game because of a sprained left ankle. Mm-hmm. But um, said the altercation happened as he was coming into the arena, said Eubanks. Um, yeah, very interesting. I don't know. They're saying it's unprovoked. Acts of violence like this are unacceptable. That's some statement. Um, Isaiah Stewart is also the guy that charged LeBron after a game. I think it was earlier this year, maybe the end of last year. But the guy is, I mean, he's the Ben Wallace of the league today, I would say. It's just he's the rough, scrappy guy, which there's always a dude like that in the league. But you don't really see them act out like this. It's interesting. Former Manchester United and England player Wayne Rooney is in talks to be a boxer. Do we even want to unpack that or no? <laughs> do we? I don't even think we should. I, don't I even, mean, if anyone can do it, I would say he's a great fit for it just because he's built like a rugby player already. So, I mean, if he wants to fight Logan and Jake Paul. What and, are we doing? Boxing used to be boxing, man. It used to be. I, I heard a story about why, uh, like, Sean Strickland can't fight Jake Paul and all of them, and it's because they don't actually sell tickets. They give them out. So th- they don't actually make revenue. They don't make money from those fights. It's, I, I can't get behind this. I can, let, let's make boxing, you know, authentic. and There still is good boxing. You just got to know where to look. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. You got to be able to filter through sports these days, everybody. Get to the sports you actually want to watch. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Well, that'll do it for us today. Uh, we're going to watch a lot of hockey tonight, 12 games. Um, we'll schedule something fun for tomorrow with only one game on the board, too. But we'll get you every, everybody set up for the weekend, too, tomorrow. So uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining us. And we'll be back soon.